Hello and welcome to Smosa Chats, where every week I, comedian Preet Singh, will host a guest who has challenged South Asian norms, whether that be through pursuing a passion as a career or devoting their work to challenging the status quo and taboos within our communities. So sit back, grab a smosa, and enjoy. Hello, so we're here with Sunny from Sunny and Shay. <laughs> Why is everybody laughing at that? No. Don't cut it out. Can I just tell you? Can I just tell you? Well, Sun- Next week, don't worry. Sunny will be introduced as Sunny from Shay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you just said Sunny from Sunny and Shay. I'm Shay from Sunny oh, and Shay. Oh, did I fuck that up? <laughs> uh, that, that form part of the outro. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hello, so we're here with Shay from Sunny and Shay. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank yeah. you for having me. This feels very surreal um, for two reasons. One, I'm usually um, used to interviewing people, so I'm in the you know front seat, whereas now I feel like, I don't know what you're going to ask me, what we're going to talk about over this hour, I'm feeling very serial about it. And two, this is called the Samosa, podca- Samosa podcast, right? Oh, she's Where are the Samosa? <laughs> so, a few. Where people, are the Samosa? Generally, a few people have been in the DMs, right? Every, like, we started, we, we did Samosas for about 13, 14 episodes. Right. No fucker was eating them. What? <laughs> yeah. So, can I just explain something? I actually came hungry today thinking I was going to have Samosa. I love, <laughs> I love Indian starters. So I don't usually, you know, you know, the people that go to a wedding, right? And they can't wait for the mains. Mm. I'm the person who stuffs her face on the starters and then dances the whole night and then I'll have dessert. I don't eat the mains. I'm all about the samosa, pakore, aloo chaat, tikki chaat, everything. What's so I was like, mate, <laughs> you let yourself down, Preet. Oh, hey man, I've been letting a lot of people down. It's fine. <laughs> it's all right though. Just means we'll have to do a part two. What's your favorite, what's your favorite starter? Um, well, I've, hard this year I've become vegan and so something that's been really hard for me, I have to be honest, is giving up paneer. So I'm a lifelong vegetarian, mm-hmm. okay, so I was born and brought up a vegetarian. So I've already got 30 plus years, I'm not going to give my age, but I've already <laughs> got 30 plus years on anyone who wants to come up to me and tell me to think about the envir- environment. I'm ahead of the game in front of all of you people, yeah. okay? So I, c- I feel I should be able to take 20 more flights in comparison <laughs> to anyone else because my carbon footprint is ahead. However, I have gone vegan this year. And so normally I would have said to you, um, if you asked me in the last decade, I would have said anything with paneer in it. Paneer right, pakore, yeah. chili paneer, I loved all of that stuff. So at the moment, I do like um, samosa chaat or samosas, which is why I was excited to be on the samosa podcast. And guess what? There's no samosa. It is. It is. We used to have a plate and shit. But literally what we were. Guys. One one podcast, we bought probably about 30 samosas because we were doing like two or three episodes in a day. Yeah. We ended up with about 26 samosas left. No way. Yeah. We had to go give them out to homeless people. So do you know, but that's good. That's safer. I like that. Yeah, nice. I, I mean, we, we try, you know. Invite me back for your season two, because this is going to be successful, obviously. <laughs> and then make sure this some here, okay? Okay, deal. That's a promise. Happy and days. High five. On, high five. We're braving the corona with can, the high Can fives. I just say as well, I have come so prepared. I've brought my tiger notepad. I've borrowed your pen. 
you know, I'm wearing makeup, which I never freaking do. <laughs> this is like a big deal for me. Usually I'm in like joggers, jumper, and just interviewing whoever and everyone. So like, I'm intrigued to see what we're gonna talk about. Shade. So now that the interview is beginning, let's turn the page <laughs> and let's see what we're gonna talk about. Lower your expectations, <laughs> please. I'm joking, I'm joking. I am out of my depth here, people, help. I'm teasing um, you, I'm teasing. No, I, so the first thing I'd obviously have to ask is, mm. why vegetarian for so long? Oh, so I was born a vegetarian. So I come from on my mum's side, um, family vegetarians, I think probably five generations or something like mm -hmm. that. My father didn't understand, so my dad used, would he. Carnival. He used to say, "I will eat anything with with its back to the sun," and <laughs> that was very true. And I ended up marrying a man who's exactly the same. Sunny will eat anything and everything. Um, so for me, growing up, it was a very simple uh, concept. If I could kill the animal, I would eat the animal. Um, I actually cook meat, so my dad used to say to me, "I don't care if you're not going to eat it." you're not going to be one of those vegetarians who goes to someone's house and starts kind of like, you know, when they pull their face and, oh my God, I can't yeah, be near yeah. meat and oh my God, I'm freaking out. So I can uh, cut meat, cook meat, I can do everything. Um, I actually make a really good um, kima and really good chicken curry. I can make everything. But for me, it was just on a personal level. Um, I really do love animals. So mm. ethically speaking, I couldn't kill them, so I didn't mm. eat them. But I think now as a vegan, I'm understanding more about the way that cows and the dairy industry, you know, yeah. treat animals. So I think that's why I've become vegan. Um, but Sonny, I'm sure he'll tell you when he has a chat with you about why he has become vegan. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's interesting because I, I was vegetarian for 10 years. Really? Yeah, nobody ever like assumes that. But yeah, I was vegetarian from 98 to 2008. So what made you change your mind? Uh, so my mom, my mom's pretty religious. My mom's Amritdhari. Okay. And um, yeah, so she just never ate meat. She gave mm. up meat in '98, and obviously me being young, yeah, did the same thing. Yeah. So so she didn't cook meat, so I didn't eat meat. Yeah. And then when I got to about 16, 17, you decided to. Yeah, my parents yeah, have always been quite chill with that. Like, so they were never like, okay, you've got to do this. Yeah. yeah. So then I'm just like. Eat meat. Can I tell you something that really winds me up? Go on. Really, really pisses me off. And I can't say this on the radio, so I'm going to say it on your podcast. Do it. So, um, Exclusive. 30 plus years, right? My mother, bless her, when my mum came to this country, in those days, being vegetarian wasn't heard of. And they used to think you were like a weirdo if you were vegetarian. Mm. They would kind of look at you like, okay, this is really weird that you don't eat any kind of meat. Yeah. And... Oh, I can hear the lift in the background. <laughs> um, and um, so growing up, my mum, let's say if you go to Tesco's, how long does it normally take you to, you know, to do your local weekly shop? Half hour? Okay. Hour? My mother would spend nearly three hours in freaking Tesco's because she'd be reading every single label under this. Like, I kid you not, everything would be like this. <laughs> and it used to wind me up. And then yeah. we, we, in those days, there were only a couple of Holland and Barrett's. And I remember one was in Harrow. So we used to drive like 45 minutes. I'm from West London. I'm from Hounslow. And so we used to drive because my mum never wanted me and my brother to feel that you know we were only eating subji right so yeah. in those days there was this packet that you would buy okay which was like this veggie kima it was like dried soya oh, you'd add yeah, water yeah, to yeah, it yeah. and you'd make these little patties to have like little burgers and that was like our weekly treat if we managed <laughs> to get that like i grew up not having cakes not having chocolate brownies not having pancakes nothing because they all had undine it yeah so as soon as i hit like 16 i was like look mom i'm veggie but i don't care if there's egg in, in certain things because i need my chocolate brownies man it's just <laughs> ridiculous but should i tell you what really winds me up i grew up
up my whole life like this, right? Trying to search for like amazing new foods. And yeah. uh, my husband decides 2020, I'm going to go vegan. Bloody Burger King releases <laughs> a bloody vegan burger. KFC releases a vegan burger. Pizza Hut releases a vegan pizza. I'm like, what the fuck was happening when I was growing up? You haven't earned like, it, Sonny. He hasn't earned it. It pisses me off. Like, I literally... The only two things that were ever on the menu for me were cheese and tomato pizza or cheese and tomato sandwich. Like, that was yeah. it, right? Yeah. Like, I kid you not. And now, everywhere you freaking go, it's, like, really winding me up. Let's he goes vegan, and now you can get it everywhere. Let's start a campaign. Just so fucking annoying. I Shut just want to say that. I feel like really whenever, you, as soon as you turn vegan, you have to put in at least 15 years before you can start enjoying exactly. the nice stuff. Thank you. So, like, Sunny and I, we have a 29-month-old baby, baby Tyra. <laughs> she is... So can I just share this because I think it's very cool. Sure. So Tyra turned 29 months on the 29th of February, which was a leap year on the leap day. So I had to celebrate it. I cut a cake. Yeah. I'm such a sad mum. But anyway, so baby Tyra has been brought up vegetarian. And my perspective was, and you'll be surprised at the amount of people who said to me, oh my God, uh, your baby's not going to be healthy. And I was like, well, hold on a second. My grandmother was vegetarian and she gave birth to five healthy babies. We mm -hmm. then went on to have children. My mother was vegetarian. She gave birth to Touchwood, two healthy babies. I'd like to think I was a healthier one, obviously. <laughs> and, you know, if for nine months, technically 10 months, my child is growing inside me, vegetarian, and my child has come out completely healthy, then what is the issue? What were they so scared of? Just people feel that by me not giving her meat, she's not healthy, when actually she's very healthy, mm. you know, Dabraka. So at the moment, Tyra is being brought up vegetarian, but she's going to have the same option like I did. My dad, he wanted me to decide. So he, my mum would walk out of the room and he'd be like, quick, have a sausage, have a sausage, <laughs> have some prawns, you know, have some bacon. Yeah. Um, but then when uh, I decided no, I was like seven, I never used to eat it. And I'd say, no, I don't want to eat this. And he'd say, fine, if you don't want to, then that's fine. Mm. So when she's about seven or eight and she knows and understands, if she wants to eat meat, I won't stop her. Fine. Yeah, I, I I don't think there's anything wrong with that, especially with where our understanding of nutrition is now. Yeah. And like we were talking off air about the vegan documentaries mm. and stuff, how it's actually proving now it's probably healthy. Guaranteed by 2030, the way that we all look at smoking is the way we will look at the meat industry. I guarantee it. It's inevitable. Ah, oh, see, but then you get assholes like me. So like, I know the meat industry is bad. Yeah. But boy, that Nando's. Yeah, but I don't see any reason why you can't have it. I just think the way that we... Um, let me be clear. I'm not a vegetarian or a vegan who's like, oh, you shouldn't eat meat. I'm not saying mm. that. I just think you need to know where your meat's coming from. So I personally don't like hypocritical meat eaters. And what I mean by that is people like individuals in my family and Sonny's family who they won't wash the meat, they won't cook the meat, they don't want to cut it, but they just want it on their plate. Right. So they have no idea where that animals come from. Mm. Like I like the idea of organic farming, you know, Sonny has killed animals. Um, he, he's, you know, thanked the animal before he's, he's killed it and culled, you know, um, a, a he's calf. Death, exactly. Well, yeah, but I'm saying he understands the whole process. Yeah. He respects the food. He then eats the meat. So I understand his perspective. I can't do it, but that's fine. He wants to do that. Yeah. I just think there's a big difference between that and what you have at the moment with the meat industry. I think by 2030, that won't exist. Yeah, probably. Hopefully, especially for the environment and stuff. That's that why I think it won't exist. Um, how did you first get your start in... Obviously, for people that don't know, I think we just kind of dived into veganism. I know. The sorry. But We've like, just spent 10 minutes. This is not going to be a food podcast, is it? I'm so sorry. I don't know. I'm pretty peckish. I could, <laughs> I, I could deal with something. Um, 
so yeah so obviously for people that don't know you yeah. first got your start in media uh so actually 10 years ago so um for those people tuning in who don't know uh, i'm a presenter and a broadcaster on radio and tv um but the first time i think most people saw sunny and i was on a fa- on the channel four program called the family mm-hmm. so it was nominated for a bafta it was a fly in the wall documentary so a lot of people kind of think it's similar to i don't know love island or maybe other like yeah. big brother it wasn't like that no, at all it was different it was pretty much i would um, say similar to one born every minute and the production company that made one born every minute made the family so essentially they just put cameras in the house and then that was it and they recorded you know they didn't interact with us they didn't tell us what to do we just got on with our lives and i mean at the time even now looking back it was quite groundbreaking so it was um it was a three-month documentary, mm-hmm. and it was the first time in broadcasting history that you got to see a South Asian wedding on TV, the full process, the Sikh wedding as well, and then Sunny's sister was having a baby. Yeah. So that's kind of like where it started off for me and Sunny. We were in this documentary, um, people fell in love with Sunny's parents, and they are amazing. Yeah. yeah, and then that was it really, kind of got into it that way. So... I'd imagine it wasn't quite as straightforward as so making a change from I guess essentially light reality TV I guess yeah or yeah. a documentary documentary it, yeah and then going on into establishing a career mm. in media no it wasn't actually so I um, during the family we were doing interviews and so Sunny and I have two different um, perspectives so like Sunny's always wanted to do radio mm-hmm. so I should probably share that. So even like when I met Sonny 17 years ago, he was very passionate about radio. I knew nothing about radio. I had no indication on how radio worked. I didn't know any of that kind of stuff. I was working in HR in the city. So for me, I didn't really have an indication. I always wanted to do journalism. I will say that. I really did want to do that. Um, But when we were doing The Family, I was doing interviews you know, like about the episode and what you saw. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but yeah. Mona's just gone around the fucking thing. She was trying yeah. to be discreet, yeah. but you can see Bless the top her. of her head. Because <laughs> something is beeping in the background <laughs> yeah. and you're and like, it what is that? It is fucking annoying, isn't it? It is annoying. It's the dishwasher uh, that's going on. Oh, it's gone, it's gone. Yeah, yeah Sorry, so yeah. Um, I forgot what I was saying. Yeah, so I was doing interviews and a couple of people at the BBC, um, which even to this day, I don't quite understand because I think I have a very Hounslow voice, but (laughs) they literally were like, wow, we love the tone of your voice. We love the way that you talk. Um, Have you ever considered doing voiceover work? And I had never thought of anything like that. Um, I didn't, to be honest, think a girl like me from where I grew up, you know, would do something like that. Mm. I I really didn't. And um, they basically asked me to be the voice of the BBC. So... I ended up recording, so you know like when you listen to the radio, so I was the voice of BBC Asia Network for right. a year. So when you tune into BBC Asia Network and it might, you know, it might be like, um, it's Friday afternoon, it's Sunny and Shay, it's BBC Asia Network. So I was pretty much all of the ins and outs of all of the idents that you will hear on radio right. for, for Asia Network. So that was my first ever venture I remember driving in my broken up Peugeot with Sonny's mum to Birmingham, <laughs> like, oh my God, I'm gonna do, I don't even know what I'm meant to be doing. And you know, so that was my first venture into radio, but Sonny had wanted to do radio. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we went to Asian Network, so basically when you walk into the BBC, they'll have a wall of like photos of all of the presenters. 
And so you can see who the presenters are, you know, like all of the big presenters like um, Terry Wogan, Vanessa Feltz. See, it's kind of intimidating, right? Because you're walking down, you see all these big people, you're like, oh my God, now shit, I've got to go in and you know, do <laughs> yeah. this interview. Um, and so we were walking down this long hallway with all of these big presenters, all, can I say, white, middle-aged. And apart from one person, I remember Nahal, yeah. Nahal was on there. And then Sonny said to me, we're going to be in this wall one day. And I was like, yeah, shut the fuck up. As mm -hmm. if, like, yeah. yeah, whatever, mate. And he was like, no, trust me, one day we're going to be on this BBC wall. Fast forward 10 years later, we actually are, um, mm. which is very cool. Um, but at the time, I didn't think that would be the case. Yeah. So we work on BBC Radio London and BBC WM. And um, there was a presenter called Joe Good at BBC Radio London, mm. who basically met Sonny and I. She was a massive fan of the family. She absolutely loved Sonny's mum and dad. She has no children. And she really felt like she bought into our family. So the final episode, the, the day of our wedding, which is the final episode, she we invited her to the house. Typical Punjabis, come round, yeah. have, we'll have dinner. <laughs> Happy days, we'll watch the whole episode. And she, unbeknownst to us, used to invite us on the show. And she said to us, um, I think you guys are really good on radio. You should do something together. Yeah. And um, can you hear that background noise? It's hilarious. <laughs> Bro, I tell you, season two. I know. There's going to be a proper studio. Exactly. It's going to happen. But anyway, cut a long story yes. short. She used to tell the BBC bosses to listen to Sonny and I when we would go on as guests. Mm -hmm. So we weren't getting paid for any of this. We used to do red carpets. I interviewed Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Um, and Sonny will tell you about the Angelina Jolie story because I think even though I did it, that's Sonny's whole idea. Right. Um, and yeah, so she basically um, was a person like, I really do believe this. Everyone needs a champion. You need someone who believes in you. She mm. believed in us. Yeah. And she got the, the bosses to listen to us. We did a pilot uh, and the rest is history. And what year was that roughly? So that was 2010. So, oh, okay. So that's so, the, so in yeah in November it will be ten years since we started at BBC Radio London. Yeah. And yeah, again we spoke about it, we touched on it off camera a little mm. bit. Going from that wall of middle class white people, essentially, what you must have faced challenges. Like it, I can't believe it was just like a this waltz in yeah. and like they're gonna champion us. Yeah. What was that like? What was people's first impression of you? So I think, um, so when I, when I joined local radio, I was 24 years old. I was the youngest um, female presenter to join BBC Radio London, local radio. Um, and I was really, I'm really proud of that even now. But it did mean that a lot of people judged me and didn't feel that I was right for the job. Um, but I was really lucky. See, I always think... Um, so my father passed away when I was 16. So I always think that my dad's there like looking out for me. Because I feel like if I'd have come into this industry by myself, things would have been very different. But because Sonny and I, we come as, you know, a two piece, I feel like we've been maybe a little bit more guarded because we have each other. So, mm. you know, we when we walk into meetings, um, people maybe are a little bit more cautious of what they'll say because there's two of us, right. if you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. That said, there's ample examples that I can give you. You know, I've, I've, um, Sonny and I were the first high profile Asians to be hired at BBC West Midlands, the radio that we work for in Birmingham. Yeah. Um, it, they broke the history in 50 years of that radio station. They'd never had any Asian presenters daytime. And outside of London, um, 
I don't know if you know this, but outside of London, Birmingham has the highest yeah. community of Asians. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you're a local radio and you have no presenters from your own community. Yeah. But we weren't hired because we were Asian. We were hired because we are fucking good presenters. I was just about to you say, know? that was one thing I was going to say. So do you think it's a lack of talent, <clears throat> a bias? Why, why was it? I think it's really simple. I think you're going to hire what you know. Simple as that. You know, right. if you walk into a room and you see people who look like you, you'll gravitate towards them. I think we're all like that. Um, I've been at events where I've seen, you know, in a room you can see, you know, Asians in the corner yeah. with other Asians. You can see white people with, you know, white people, black people, but it's just the way it is. So if historically an organization like BBC has always been white, that's all they're going to hire and that's all they know. Yeah. You know, I've walked into meetings and as I say, it's been in national news. It's been in the Birmingham Mail that Sonny and I are starting at the BBC West Midlands. Mm -hmm. And I've walked into meetings and I've been told, sorry, you're in the wrong room. Asian Network's that way. And I'm like, I'm your presenter, <laughs> right? My photo is on the wall and you still don't know that I'm your presenter. Does that make sense? Like, that's just ridiculous. That's just bad. Right? Man. So I've been in meetings like that. Sonny's been in meetings where we've, turned, we've been told, oh, so you've been hired to bring on the Asian crowd and listeners for the station then have you, you know, but it's like, no, actually, uh, we're completely mainstream presenters. We play no Asian music, mm -hmm. you know. Um, Sonny and I have interviewed everyone from Angelina Jolie to Bradley Cooper to Simon Cowell to Amanda Holden, any of the mainstream names that you will know, David Walliams, anyone that goes on Radio 2 or Radio 1 will go on local radio. Yeah. And the two biggest local radio stations in the country are BBC Radio London and BBC West Midlands. So they're talking to us. Yeah. Whether they want to or not, <laughs> they're going to talk to us. Um, you know, and I'm really proud of that, actually. Do you reckon attitudes are changing? Um, I think people are being forced to change. I don't necessarily think people... Um, like I said, if you are comfortable... And what you're doing and everything yeah. works why would you want to change it right why would you change it yeah. it takes things like oscars so white and baftas so white which by the way baftas so white has happened more than the oscars and yet yeah. we always ram on about the oscars we're too busy looking at america we don't realize how bad we are in this country when it comes to representation and diversity so i kind of feel like um it takes you know what you guys are doing things like this to uh, things like Sunny, what Sunny and I are doing to show that we are worthy, we're capable, and we're actually really bloody good at it. Yeah. You know, Sunny and I won the um, presenter. Um, Sunny, what's the award called? I can't even remember the award. <laughs> That's so bad. Oh, that was it. We won Best Personality Presenters at the New York Radio Awards. Right. So That's um, a big deal. That's a huge deal. We're the first Asians in this country to win that. Mm -hmm. will happen to be Asian, but that's a mainstream um, award. Over yeah. 30 countries enter for that. And we went to New York last year to accept that award for our personality presenting at BBC West Midlands. So I think doing things like that shows that anyone can do it. You've yeah. just got to, you know, push yourself and, and kind of push down those barriers. Do you, do you feel like the responsibility of being trailblazers or, or is it something that where you're like okay cool as long i've as never seen myself as doing. a trailblazer i just something that really irritates me about our community oh, and i fuck. love <laughs> and Shit, I I've said love, the wrong thing. no i love being asian right and mm. i love being um um a woman and i love being Punjabi. but i have to be really frank with you 
in and amongst all of that, the first thing that I am is British. I really bloody love being British. You know, I have a real British identity and I'm really proud of that. But I think, and I think this is a mix of being British and being South Asian. Something that irritates me about our our community specifically is we don't celebrate ourselves enough. Yes. Right? We don't shout about what we achieve. Yeah. We are so easy to say, oh, they did that. Oh, onikikita, hi, onikikita, but we never say, wow, well done. And so I feel like by me talking about the awards that Sunny and I have won, by me talking about being the first at something, is not being big-headed. It's actually acknowledging that I have sacrificed a hell of a lot mm. in 10 years. And in order for Sunny and I to be on the radio at the BBC for 10 years, we must be doing something right, yeah. right? So, but I always find that in our communities, we don't, we should celebrate our, our achievements. If no one else is gonna shout about it, we should shout about I'm, it. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. And part of the reason that we want to do something like this is that we, we all thought that creatives in our community don't get given the credit mm. credits from other communities are given. Mm. So you have people in America, like Hollywood and shit, where people are like, oh my God, tell us about your story, your struggles and all yeah. that. Whereas in the Asian community, like when I was a kid, like, and I was like, okay, cool, I want to be a comedian. You couldn't just go up there and pick up an article about somebody and read, oh yeah, my parents said don't do it or like my community said don't do it, but I did it anyways. Mm. And, you know, you never had those like in-depth yeah. sort of, this person made it, like yeah. look at that. Even in our like Asian like, I love that. Stuff. But it's also like there's always this one blooming stereotype which really annoys me, which is as as a woman, it's like, Oh, your parents didn't allow you to do it. Now let me be clear, there will be individuals yeah. who have been through that. But I didn't come from that family, you know. I came from a family where my mother and father got got me the best education. You know, I have two degrees and I was told to go out and get what I wanted. My mm. mother was the first woman to get a degree in her village, right? So I didn't come from a background where I was suppressed or oppressed or told not to dream. I was told, go out and do it and achieve as much as you want. So like, I remember when I was, how old was I, 16, no, 15? My dad, my dad died when I was, yeah, I was 15, I've come home. And you know, you could get careers advice in school. Yeah. And so I went to a girls' convent school um, and, you know, uh, the teachers would kind of encourage you to what they thought would suit you. Mm. But I came home and I was like, right, dad, I've got two options because I'm really, really good at history uh, and I'm really, really good um, at social sciences. And, and like, there was a lot of things that I really liked. And I said, so here's what I'm thinking. Either I do law or I do journalism. Which one do you think I should go for? And because I really did respect my father's opinion and my dad, I'll never forget this. My dad sat there my dad used to smoke so my dad's yeah. smoking oh, my dad's like okay and uh, he just like looked up look up to, looked up the air and uh, he turned around to me and he said do journalism i was like oh okay i was really shocked that yeah. my dad said journalism and and i said so you sure do journalism he said yeah he said there's too many indians in law we need more we need more apnea in journalism yeah like hello my dad told me there's too many brown people in law. We've got enough of the solicitors, barristers and lawyers. Go into journalism. We need more people like you. You know, that's the household I came from. So for me, I didn't grow up with this kind of idea of having to break down barriers. But what I did understand, what my father used to say was, um, my father purposefully sent my brother and I to predominantly white schools. So I was the only... Punjabi in the whole of my school. Right. I was one of four Asian girls in the whole of my school. Mm. I went to Gumley House Convent School and my brother had the same. 
And when my mother was really upset with that, because when I used to get on the bus in my brown uniform, all of the kids would be going to Heathlands and be like, why the hell is she? Like I had a big jeweler, yeah. you know, why the hell is she going to Gumley? And my dad always used to say, the world that you live in, people don't look like you. So you right. need to grow up in the white world that we're living in and you need to understand that community. Mm. And going to a predominantly white school meant I understood. So when I went to university, whereas all the other Asian kids would all be in the corner in library, I'd be chatting to everyone because that's what that's all I knew. Yeah. And so I actually understand what my dad meant back then. You know, we, we really need to integrate. Sometimes we close ourselves off a bit too much. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think that, that criticism can definitely be made of like the generation before. But I think now people are trying to open up a little bit mm. more. But I think also, I feel like that that comes with its own challenges though. So it's like, I, I went to a school that was predominantly white, not a lot of Punjab, uh, not a lot of Punjabis mm-hmm. and stuff. But then I went to a university where it was the completely the oh, really flop. yeah okay it was like just Asians fucking everywhere <laughs> and like, I, I like you know I kind of understood Brexit after that like <laughs> bro, there's okay. a limit okay yeah. <laughs> like, but I feel like both of those things do come with their challenges mm. and then you sort of become this like third culture person mm-hmm. that can sometimes be quite hard to break out from but I think ultimately it ends up being good because you have two two cultures. Yeah, I think so. I think it's really nice when we get to interview people and, you know, Sonny and I can just interview, um, you know, interview someone like, I don't know, David Williams, and we're just talking to him as a British person. Mm. But then I always love the fact that I can bring in or Sonny can bring in that South Asian element. And, you know, the amount of times we've interviewed people say, my God, I would never thought of that. Or I never, you know, the kind of questions that Sonny and Shay ask, someone else wouldn't ask because um, we have, like you said, those dual identities. So I always love to draw on that. I think it's a good thing. Um, But, you know, the people I interview, I never kind of look at them um, as you know, okay, that's a white male middle-aged person. I just think here's a person they they want to talk about their film or their book, or whatever yeah. it is, and they're three-dimensional just like I am. So I try to relate to them more like that. It's like breaking away from that identity politics, isn't it? Yeah, and just like trying to understand who the person is rather than categorizing them and boxing them into white British. Exactly. Or, yeah, I agree. Those. Absolutely. Speaking of dual, dual identities, religion. Religion's a big topic in your life, isn't it? Yeah, so I'm, I don't think I'm religious, I'm spiritual, um, but I am brought, born and brought up in a Sikh family, but my dad believed in Jesus Christ, so um, I'm Sikh. I've always said my way of life is Sikh, but my religion is Catholicism, right. but that just sounds really complicated. Basically, I'm, I'm Sikh and I'm Christian, Okay. so I have both faiths in my life. So in my house, I grew up with... In a painting of Jesus Christ right next to a painting of Guru Nanak Dev Ji. So I just thought everyone was like that. Right. Like I literally thought everyone was like that. Yeah. You know, say so like I I do practice Lent right now. I'm practicing Lent. You know, I do go to church just like I go to the Gurdwara. So when I celebrate Christmas and I say Happy Christmas, I actually mean Happy Christmas. I'm not just putting a Christmas tree up. Right. You understand? So like my father sadly died on Easter Sunday. So I think maybe that was a bit more poignant for me. Mm. But like growing up, I saw my father wear a gara and a cross on his neck, you know, up until the day he died. So I just always thought, yeah. everyone, I genuinely believed everyone was like that. How do you reconcile the two things? Mm, I, I'd have no issues with it. It's like my, my daughter was baptized um, at the end of last year. She was baptized at the same church that I was baptized at the same age and at the same punt as well, which I thought was really cool. Right. Um, and my Puwaji, like, so all my dad's family, they were all completely Sikh. 
but as I say, my dad believed in Jesus. My poor G was like trying to explain to everyone, ha ha, it's a pure na sing sega, but Jesus no manta sega. He was Sikh, but he believed in Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. So it's like really, um, I just think everyone's faith is personal to them. Yeah. And I feel if you're a good person and if you, um, you know, understand morality, um, then I think you'll be fine. Like I genuinely, that's what I genuinely believe. Yeah. So I'm not really someone who, you know, I don't go to church every single Sunday, but then I don't go to Gudwara every single Monday, if you see what I mean. Mm. But I, I do um, say that I'm completely Sikh in my philosophical way. I believe a lot in humanitarianism, in seva, the way that Guru Nanak Dev Ji taught us. Right. I can read and write Punjabi. So, you know, I've, I've learned on both sides. Because I had two faiths, I felt like I wanted to know more about those faiths. So I have a master's degree in all the world religions because mm. I really wanted to understand what I was being brought up with. Yeah. So I think um, other people won't understand it, but I mean, I could I could spend five hours trying to explain it and it, people still wouldn't get it. That's so why I just we think, bring you, you back to season two. Yeah, no, but do you see what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I think it, it didn't, it caused quite a lot of um, intrigue, let's say, within our family. My in-laws were surprised by that, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they were fine with it. So like, um, on Tyra's first birthday, we did it in the Gurdwara. We had a Sukhmi side part. Mm. And then, you know, nine months later, we would, we were doing a baptism in a church and the family was like, what the hell was <laughs> going on over here? You know, but I'm very lucky. I have a very supportive husband and Sonny's always been really understanding. Yeah. And um, so all those, as I say, Sonny um, wasn't brought up with Christianity. He respects it. So, yeah. Makes sense. It's really hard. It's weird to explain that, right? Like, I don't know how, how to how, See, how I, explain I, it. Uh, like if some I'm people, like I've been to people's houses and like I have friends and they'll have, they're, they're Sikh, but yeah. then they'll have like, you know, a Buddha, you know, yeah, or they'll have yeah. like, um, what's the elephant god called again? Ganesh. Hanuman or Ganesh. Yeah. So then I'm like, oh, so you Hindu as well? No, no, I've just got the idol. So I'm like, okay. You know, so to me, I would never put something in my house unless I didn't believe in it. Yeah. Right. So growing up, having these images in my household, you know, having a cross above my head in my bedroom and mm. having a kanda on the other side of the room was very normalized to me. Yeah. It was something that allowed me to respect all religions. Mm. But So when I go to my friends' houses, but they've just got something because, oh, I really yeah. liked it. To me, I respect that. But in my household, it meant something more. If I would yeah. have had Buddha or Hanuman, it would have been because maybe I believed in that philosophy or that way of life. Yeah. So I think it's just the way that I was brought up. I can't, it's really com- confusing. No, it's, it is <laughs> really proper, like, interesting. Because it's just like, so obviously my household's completely just see That's it. Yeah. Nothing else. And to be honest, like, I, so I studied RE and shit. And like, um, I do take a interest. I fucking laugh at that. <laughs> like, I study RE and shit, innit? Yeah, um, I did too, by the way. <laughs> but I do, like, like, I do take an interest in world religions and stuff yeah. and all that as well. Just like yeah. personal, personal life. I've never like kind of even considered them to be like akin to Sikhism because mm-hmm. the way I was brought up. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's really fucking interesting how you've got mm. the two, like, you're just like, yeah, of course. Well, yeah, look, as I say, I used to, I was part of the choir and I used to do Kirtan. So I used to take part in national competitions to do Kirtan, you know, with the yeah. Gudwara. So my week was every Tuesdays I had Vajja class, sorry, Punjabi class. Mm. Every Thursdays I had Vajja class. And on Friday nights, we used to do Simran all night and chips and beans as well in the Gudwara. Mm. And then on Sundays, I used to go to choir. So that's all I grew up with. All I'm saying is you would drop a fire mixtape. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like literally, that's what, so I loved, so music was a big part of it. 
so for me music is like a, it feeds my soul yeah. you know so whether I was in the choir or whether I was doing my kirtan whatever it was that's I think maybe it's not about religion for me as I say it's more the way of life the spirituality so I think it's a little bit different I'm not looking at you know I could sit here and criticize the Roman Catholic Church and I absolutely will because of the history um, specifically around abuse and mm. child abuse and even female abuse, which is never talked about. Yeah. But what also does frustrate me is when you talk about Gudware, you know, there's a lot that's going on politically there, yeah. which is also very difficult. So I prefer to remove myself from all of that and say that I don't want to be judged as this massive representative of religion, yeah. which is why I always say I'm British Punjabi. I never talk about my religion. This is the first time I'm doing it, to be honest. We I've never talked about it. Reason. Yeah, I've never, yeah. I've never talked about it. Um, and I just say I'm a spiritual person. I'm kind of with you on that. So it's like I never, I never class myself as like a Sikh comedian. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. It's like I always kind of feel like religion. You know, like it'd be weird for me to be classing myself. Like, yeah, I'm a Sikh comedian. <laughs> I'm a Sikh comedian. And then I go on stage and I'm talking about fucking or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's like how do you reconcile those two things? Yeah. You know? I think also I always find it really interesting because usually, uh, like my best friend, she happens to be Hindu Punjabi. Mm. Um. But I always find it really interesting because I feel like if you're Hindu or Sikh, you'll probably just say you're Punjabi or you're Gujarati. But if you're Muslim, then you will always talk about your faith first. So I think it depends on the individual. Yeah. I think it really does depend on, you know, I've, I've uh, got a really close friend who will always say, if you ask them who they are, they will, she will always say, I'm Muslim. That her religion mm. is a paramount part of her identity. After that, she'll talk about being Pakistani and then maybe being British. But for me my religion is down the lower pecking order you know i'm happy to talk about being british because it's a big part of my identity and being punjabi but my religion doesn't it's more personal to me yeah i think oh yeah i think yeah i think i think it's a personal choice because yeah. i've got friends who'd like the first thing would be yeah from see that's that's it that's yeah. where it ends yeah but like for i guess for people like us we've kind of made that choice of mm, on balance, I'm probably more Punjabi than I am Sikh. Like, yeah. You know, so. But like, I, as I say, it's my spiritual journey is personal for me. With you. But at least now Tyra gets two options, right? So if, <laughs> if when she's really old, she's 101 and she passes away and she goes and knocks on the door, she's got the Sikh side covered and the Christian <laughs> side. So dependent on one, one way she's getting into heaven. That's, that's what me and Sunny was joking about. St. <laughs> Paul's just out of heaven. He's like, you sure you're up here? <laughs> I think you. I need. I think you need to go to the other door for the <laughs> other guru. Guru door is that way, or Jesus Christ door that mad, way. But that's what we so we we me and Sunny see the funny side. But I'm so thankful that my dad's family are in my life because when I used to talk to other people, I found it very hard to explain. And over the years, Sunny um, really helped me kind of accept that it's okay the way that the way that I was brought up was fine for me, just yeah. like the way anyone else is brought up is fine for them. But when Sonny will go to like my, my dad's family's house, like my Faji, mm. he wears a pug, you know, and he even talks about the fact that, yeah, we used to go to church and go for Sunday mass, you know, for, for Christmas. And so I've now realized that my family are Kenyan. And so I've realized that a lot of my family's journey was because of being in Kenya right. and being Kenyan Punjabi. Mm -hmm. So I just think that's my family. That's how we do it. Yeah, right. all families are like Yeah, we like all have we unique. all have that. So, but I found that very hard. In the beginning, I never really, I used to find it very uncomfortable to talk um, with family members or people about my upbringing because I realized as I got older that it was a bit odd to have two <laughs> religions, you know, I, I did, genuinely did. Yeah, yeah, I and um, I felt really humbled when a very close friend of Sonny's, she's Punjabi Sikh and she married a, a white guy, an English guy, and he's Christian. And so they both asked me to be a godparent to their child. Yeah. 
And I thought that was beautiful, but they, they said it was really because they realized that their son was going to be brought up with two faiths just like I was. And so I think, you know, it's possible. I think I'm yeah. an all right, well-rounded person, <laughs> even though I've got two faiths. Nah, you're all right. You, you, you're I think fine. so. Don't I think you so. Worry about but it. you'd be shocked. It, it puts people off. I've, I've I had imagine. conversations that, no, seriously, they're like, what do you mean? Yeah. You're baptized. What do you mean you've baptized? Like, you know, they really find it offensive. I can't say I know anybody <clears> who's like bi religion, I guess, but I do know biracial people like Punjabi and white or mm-hmm. Punjabi and black. Mm-hmm. And they've always, like, I'm always astonished to hear their experience. Like, what, should I tell you something that's so funny? And yeah, I'm, don't, I'm not saying, I'm not naming who it was. It was more controversial, okay, that. We, as a Punjabi couple, had our daughter baptized than it was that a certain family mar- member who's Asian married a white guy. What? We thought that was... He- right, Sunny? <laughs> would you agree with that? Wasn't it more controversial, the fact that we had our child baptized, than the fact that, actually, it made all of these individuals that we know go, no, we're Sikh. No, 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 see, this is not Even though they're not, right? Yeah. They have cut hair, they eat meat, they drink alcohol, all of that. But they're, no, 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 we're seeing. And they, it, it felt, I think to them, they felt it was like attack on their faith, yes. which I wasn't trying to, as I say, my babaji, my guru, I don't want to disrespect anyone. That's really important to me. But at the same time, I don't feel like anyone should dictate what I feel is right for me and mm. for my child and also my husband. That's between me and my husband. But wasn't, funny, that was true, right? Wasn't it more controversial, the fact that we had our child baptized, like it kicked off. Massively, yeah. And we're like, hold on, we've just been at how many weddings where, like, you know, an Asian has married a Gora, Asian married a Zagala, and they're like, ha ha, Tikia. But us baptizing our child is a massive issue for you. When all we're trying to do is bring her up to be what? A good person. If you look at the Ten Commandments, don't kill anyone, don't steal, don't commit adultery. Like, it's basic human stuff. All I'm but saying that is was, like, really controversial for people. Fraud is a fundamental Punjabi staple, okay? Right? Like, mortgage so fraud. Like, exactly. she needs to learn these things. Yeah. I don't know. It is weird. Like, how do you find, like, being a mum and having your schedule? I know, so I know this Sunny is, like, and a complete... I... No, it's fine. Um, so, Sunny and I work... We're very proud of the fact that we have seven shows on seven days on the BBC. Mad. Yeah, which means we uh, put all of our efforts into that. Um, but alongside that, I'm actually the deputy festival director of the Asian Woman Festival. Right. And so that's become a bit of a passion project for me. And I think you guys should get her on your podcast, actually. Shani Dunder. She's like my one. best friend. She's a, a disability rights activist and she's a founder of the festival. And so she like she just brought me on to host last year. It's the first time that the country's ever had a festival like that. And so that's taken up a lot of my time mm-hmm. alongside the radio work that I do. Um, so work is very busy and then I'm a mum as well. So it's really nice. I enjoy it. But it's, again, very surreal. I've had people kind of, um, you know, comment on, you know, the thing like, I've heard things like, they'll never say it to my face, mm. but I'm in the room and they're like, I could never leave my child. You know, I can't believe, you know, you know, people really judge you. It's really shocking. And I just think, well, hold on a second. My mother worked three jobs a day, seven days a week, Mm. right? To make sure that if I woke up in the morning and said to my mom, I need 50 pounds tomorrow, that money would be on the table. If I said to my mom, I've got to go on a school trip, that money would be on the table. You know what I mean? My Mm. mother did everything to ensure that I got everything I needed and wanted. And so now when I'm at an opportunity where I can you know, work, but not three jobs a day, you've got an issue with that. Like, I find that so shocking. 
I can't understand that. I can't understand. You know, I speak to Sonny's mum and Sonny's dad, who I'm so inspired by. They used to work four jobs, five jobs, you know. They used to take their kids with them to make sure that they kept a roof over their head, mm. that, you know, all three children were fed, educated, everything. And now when we don't need to work like that, but we're still able to, you know, yeah. build a career, people are like, oh... <laughs> you know, like literally, they keep saying, I've heard people saying, I can't believe you put her in nursery at four months. Oh my God, like, don't you want to be around your child? And it's like, excuse me, I have full respect for mothers who want to stay at home 24 7 to look mm. after their children. But again, it comes down to upbringing. I was never brought up like that. My mother worked every freaking day. Yeah. So that's all I know. I'm a workaholic. And you don't want to raise a clingy kid. Like, no. Come on. And, and I'm not. <laughs> and, I, and, and it's not in my bones. Like Sunny and I have talked about this. It's not in my bones to be a stay-at-home mum. I don't wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to change 50 nappies today. <laughs> and you know, oh wow, today I'm going to bake five cakes and I'm going to make alu purian and chole puture. I can cook, but it's not like this thing of like, you know, some people love doing that. And I love that. Like I always say, I, I live with Sunny's mum and dad, as mm. does Sunny. Like we live with our in-laws. And I always say I, I'm the sous chef to mum because mum has such a passion. You can say to my mum, why? This is what we got. These are the ingredients. And mum will be like, you can see her eyes whizzing around as to what she can make. I don't have that. I'm not excited yeah. by it. I'll do it. But I'm not like, oh, wow, that was just the best thing ever. You know, so for me, my work feeds my soul. Yeah. And so I want my daughter to see me happy because then if mummy's happy, she's happy, right? Yeah. But I've been really shocked. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect to for people to judge me um, and kind of... And also, can I just bloody say no one says anything to him does has anyone ever said anything to you no never <laughs> i sunny oh wait can i just explain this sunny could be out all weekend right yeah and uh no one will be like oh sunny where's sunny what's he doing where is he no one to say any of that yeah i may go out for two hours for a quick catch-up coffee with a friend and all of a sudden where's where's Shagon, oh, 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 so you're looking after Tyra, are you? Oh, and it's like, can I explain something? It is also his bloody job to look after my daughter. It's not solely my responsibility to, you know, do everything for my child, although I absolutely want to and I will, but it's okay if I need to go out and do something for myself. Like, I learned how to swim last year. I've wanted to swim my... I come from a family of swimmers. Like, this is major for me, right. people. Major. I'm the laughing stock of my whole family. I can't like, swim either. Right, really? Like, my yeah. dad learned how to swim <laughs> in Kenya. Know, right? <laughs> Seriously, this is a major thing. My dad learned how to... He was born and brought up in Kenya. So he used to, like, dive into rivers. And, you know, that's how he learned how to swim. So he thought it was so dumb. He used to be like, this water is stagnant in this pool it's not going anywhere it's yeah. just there and you still can't fucking swim what's <laughs> wrong with you like he didn't understand it so i've been the laughing stock of my family so last year i finally learned how to swim and i'm so proud of myself like i really recommend it people everyone should do it but oh my god every week once a week i'd go for an hour and they would be like oh oh so where's the baby who's got the baby uh, she's all right she hasn't been dumped somewhere she's with her dad you know like even then i will leave a checklist right sunny clothes are here second change of clothes are here third change of clothes are here this is where the food is this is where the other backup food is you know and he doesn't need any of that he knows where it all is so i find that really annoying like it pisses me off when people say that to me because they never say it to him so it's like I, why are you yeah, saying it to me I, I, th I think that's just good old-fashioned sexism isn't it I think so, but also I think 
so Sunny and I have been together 17 years mm. and um, we waited 10 years before we had Tyra. So like my bubby, I'll never forget, this is so funny. My bubby turns around to me and she goes, you know what your problem is, Shay? Do you know what your problem is? And I was like, okay. She goes, you're, you're too busy having too much fun. And I was like, that's the issue? That's the issue? That I'm having too much fun? Like, what, are you serious? And because uh, by the end of it, our family on my side and on Sunny's side had given up asking us. You know, like usually when you get married, oh, when's the baby? You know, that's like the one question they ask you. They'd given up. They were like, these, these two are just, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. We're not going to ask them. So they just gave up asking us. They, right. they would never ask us. And... Um, when we finally announced we were going to have a baby. So anytime we'd have any good news, right? Like I won the um, Asian Woman of the Achievement Award, mm. um, Media Award for be um, Best Presenter. And I'm like, I've got some news. <gasps> you're pregnant. Like <laughs> everything could always be, <gasps> you're pregnant. You know, so they just stopped asking us and bam, that's when we dropped the bombshell. We're now having a baby. Like so that's my, decided. yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's my biggest recommendation to anyone. If you, when you get married, don't have a kid for the first five years. Unless you really want to, I just feel like you should. Do you agree with that, Sunny? Yeah. Um, I think I think I think you just need to enjoy each other and then have a child. Like we have got everything out of our system. We've travelled. We've done work. We've done all of that. And now we have our baby. And Tyra is my life, and she's yeah. Sunny's life as well. That's a, that's a beautiful note, man. That's what have you guys got coming up? So I, I, I'm conscious don't that worry. you guys got to get out. Don't worry, don't worry, no. I've got another five minutes. Um, what have we got coming up? So yeah, so I think um, something that a lot of people have been pestering us to do for a long time um, outside of radio is to do TV. So I think like the biggest thing, frustration that we found is um, to do the kind of TV that we want to do. So we've been offered a lot of things, but we haven't done it because it's not right for us mm -hmm. in terms of our brand, the Sunny and Jay. So I think in this next year, you're going to see us on TV, which, you know, is something we really want to do. Um, but also um, outside of radio, the world of podcasts intrigue us, you know. So I don't know. We'll see. I think we've, we've been offered a couple of things by the BBC, but yeah. um, uh, we're so busy with our radio. So I think whatever we do next um, has to be at that high quality and standard for us. Yeah. I think that's really important. But let's see. So, yeah. Um, Podcasts, Asian Woman Festival, um, TV, and social media. It's all happening. Yeah. Just figure it out. And raising a kid. And I was going to say, yeah, we're not looking to have a kid anytime soon. We've got one. Oh, no. I wasn't, I wasn't going to go full-blown uncle. Yeah. Kind of You're going to have it. And now, number two. <laughs> yeah. Number two. That's what my auntie said to me at a wedding. Okay, number two. I was like, I've just had the first one. What's wrong with you, man? And my body's just recovering, right? Like, a, I'm just at the point now where if I cough, I won't pee. You know what I mean? <laughs> Any woman who has given birth will understand that, you know? I ain't rushing to... You know, Some people um, can have the most beautiful pregnancy and I'm really happy for them. But unfortunately, I had a very bad condition. Right. And so I, I lost a year of my life. I had hyperemesis, which is chronic vomiting. Um, so at my worst, I could be vomiting 25 times in a day, couldn't even keep a sip of water down. Yeah, I, I almost lost my daughter twice. So because of that, when you've had such a horrible experience like that, mm. um, you're not in, in a rush to have it again. Yeah. I would love to have another baby, but probably not just yet. I think both Sunny and I are just in love with our daughter. Yeah. So we're just very keen to celebrate her and, you know, show her that women are great. And there's a lot that we can do. Yeah, and yeah. Sonny's okay as well. He's all right, yeah. Did, yeah. did you know, he actually wanted a, this is so funny, he really wanted a girl. So when I was pregnant, I knew, I was the only person who knew, because I was like, I need to know. <laughs> I just can't wait. 
And um, uh, he said to me, when we had our second month scan, he said, right, if it's a boy, you're getting pregnant within a year, okay? Right. If it's a girl, you can shut up, shop, happy days, I don't need another kid. He's always wanted a girl. Right. Always wanted a girl. So when we had baby Tyra, it was like just the perfect. You were like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't, I think any woman when you're pregnant, you actually don't give a shit. Because like all I kept praying was happy and healthy baby. That's all I wanted. Because mm. I was on a lot of medication throughout the whole nine months. And so every time you take this medication, the doctors say, um, you know, sorry, it could be a detriment to your child. And you know, what are you meant to do? How do you survive? If I don't take the medication, I could lose my kid. If I do take the medication, something could have to happen to my kid. So I did not give a flying fuck, quite literally, about the gender or the sex of my baby. Mm. I just wanted to make sure that my baby was okay. Like, yeah. you know, that literally was it. So just all I used to pray for was a happy and healthy baby. And mm -hmm. um, Sonny could worry about the rest. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so yeah, so luckily we had a baby girl and so we were happy days. Awesome. Brilliant. Uh, and people can catch you on all of the socials. Yes, really simple. I would recommend go to Sunny and Shay. So S-U-N-N-Y-A-N-D-S-H-A-Y. And um, you can follow us on all the social media. Um, Instagram is what we tend to do. I'm bloody... I've heard about this new TikTok thing now, which I'm like, God I'm sake. too old for it now. Oh, man. my God. And now, did you hear America? Americans are... They've got a new version called Byte. Have you heard about this? Bloody hell, man. There's just too much to keep up with. Yeah. Even now, like, I had a friend who's called me literally today. Her name's Pam. And she's like, right, we need to do the photo shoot because you haven't posted anything on Instagram in a month. And I'm like, oh, my God. I... It's just too much. Yeah. I think it's way too much. So I would recommend, if you want to know about Sunny and Shay, listen to our radio shows. Listen to us on BBC Radio London. Listen to us on BBC West Midlands. We're a husband and wife who happen to be Asian. We're just a husband and wife. So anyone who's been in a relationship, anyone who is in a relationship or wants to be in a relationship will get us. And I think that's why we're lucky that we have a mainstream audience. It doesn't matter about yeah. your background. If, you, if you're married or you're single, you'll understand what it's like when you've been in a relationship. Um, so yeah, listen to us on radio and then you can follow us on social media. And, oh yeah, you can listen back on BBC, BBC Sounds. Sounds. <laughs> Thanks, Sunny. There you go, Sunny you can, in with the plug. You can listen back on BBC Sounds. It's really simple. Type in Sunny and Shay on the internet, okay? <laughs> and it will come up. We'll link all of your um, links and stuff oh, down below you. so people will see, be able to see that. But thank you so much for coming on. Thank this you to Samantha Podcast. This was a lot of fun. I was so scared. Can I just say, finally, 